Before God gave Moses the Ten Commandments on Mount Sinai, he gave them instructions that would be the forerunner of the law to come and guide them as they stepped into the wilderness. Today on Rooted Daily, we're looking at the pre-law of Exodus. Welcome to Rooted Daily, the podcast where we're rooting ourselves in the Bible so we can grow with God a little more every day. I'm Brandon Levy, and the first 11 chapters of Exodus are packed with energy. They tell this moving, dramatic story of Moses growing up, learning about all the injustice in the world, and then getting his call to go, go to Pharaoh and tell him to let his people go. And it's been page after page of action and forward momentum, and it creates a compelling narrative. Then we get to the plagues, there's first blood, then frogs, and reading it for the first time, you'd be on the edge of your seat. When is Pharaoh going to cave? Will it be locusts? Will it be frogs? If it were me in Pharaoh's shoes, it'd probably be boils. I, I don't know how I could take that. But with each plague, the suspense grows. And by chapter 11, it's like a horror movie. We know someone is going to jump out somewhere, but we don't know when. And Moses announces the death of the firstborn sons to Pharaoh, yet Pharaoh's heart was hard. He did not let the children of Israel go out of his land. And now it should be time for the great climax. Moses, the Israelites, the Pharaoh, the Egyptians, they were all about to see that the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob will go to any length to rescue his people. And so we turn the page to chapter 12, and it says, Finally, Pharaoh relents. Finally, Pharaoh is crushed by the almighty power of God, right? No, it's not what it says. The first verse of Exodus chapter 12 says, Now the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron in the land of Egypt, saying, This month shall be your beginning of months. It shall be the first month of the year to you. Yeah, I guess we're not in a theater here. We're watching the movie at home, and it's time for... A commercial break to discuss calendars. I think if I would have wrote this in an English class, I, I would have gotten some pretty bad marks here because the book of Exodus interrupts the culmination of all the chapters before to give some seemingly benign instructions on ritual regulations. But God was about to free his people and he had them on the brink of that freedom. And before he made the final push, he presses pause on all the action to give them a briefing on what he wanted this new life to look like for them. In itself, that is a powerful lesson for us today. How often do we get caught up in the action and we forget to press pause in life? We, we forget to reflect on what God wants for us. And maybe it seems like there's just no time to pause. We're too busy. The life is coming at us too fast to take that time to go into God's word and pray to him for guidance and understanding and wisdom and reflection. But let Exodus be a lesson. At the climax of the Exodus story, God presses pause to talk through things with Moses and Aaron that they probably didn't understand why they were talking about or why they were important in that moment. I imagine Moses and Aaron just wanted to get this whole plague business done so they could get out of Egypt and out of Pharaoh's crosshairs. 
But God showed even in the thick of it all, you have to make time to get back to basics. Lay your foundation in the word. Grow your roots in it before you take your next step. So God, he pauses the action in Exodus to talk about this calendar, making the month the Exodus would begin, the first month of the Israelites' calendar year. And in that first month, God wanted for them to have a holiday, which he called Passover, naming it after uh, an event that had yet to even happen. You know, God was so certain of the future, he could lay out details with perfect precision, down to the clothes they would be wearing and the reaction of the Egyptians. And he says that this day, shall be to you a memorial, and you shall keep it as a feast to the Lord throughout your generations. You shall keep it as a feast by an everlasting ordinance. You know, generations would remember the Exodus story because of this memorial. And in fact, even today, we know this story so well, in part because it was remembered every single year for a millennia. And the Lord that gives then gives the, these specifics for how this week should be spent. On the first day, they should remove all the leaven from their houses. There would be convocations on the first and seventh days where uh, no work could be done. And throughout the entire week, no one could eat anything with leaven or else they'd be cut off from the nation. You know, God gives them the instructions to protect their households from uh, the destroyer put blood on the doors from the Passover lamb. And almost as if after all of this, it's an afterthought. Exodus chapter 12, verse 29 says, And it came to pass at midnight that the Lord struck all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, from the firstborn of Pharaoh, who sat on his throne, to the firstborn of the captive, who was in the dungeon, and all the firstborn of livestock. So Pharaoh rose in the night, he and all his servants and all the Egyptians, and there was a great cry in Egypt. For there is not a house where there is no one dead. And then he called for Moses and Aaron by night and said, Rise, go out from among my people, both you and the children of Israel, and go serve the Lord as you have said. It took, it took 11 chapters of buildup, but with no fanfare at all now. In just these three sentences, Israel was free. Pharaoh finally said, and met the words Moses had been asking him to say all this time. And Moses was told to go. With great haste, they plundered the Egyptians. They grabbed their dough before leaven and had, had been added to it. And they walked out of Egypt. Not sneaking away in the night, but with the whole nation of Egypt begging them to leave. About 600,000 men left with their families. And all of their livestock and this great caravan made it to the edge of the wilderness. But now, once again, interspersed in these great action scenes, the, the people of God are leaving, God pauses again. Exodus 12, 43 begins to list even more regulations for the Passover. No foreigner shall eat it, but every man's servant who is bought for money, when you have circumcised him, then he may eat it. A sojourner and a hired servant shall not eat it. In one house it shall be eaten. You shall not carry any of the flesh outside of the house, nor shall you break one of its bones. All the congregation of Israel shall keep it. And when a stranger dwells with you and wants to keep the Passover to the Lord, let all his males be circumcised and then let him come near and keep it. And he shall be as a native of the land for no uncircumcised person shall eat it. 
you know, to the Israelites now leaving Egypt and to all future generations reading or hearing this story, God ensured that the memorial of this event would be distinct. It was to set the Israelites apart as the chosen people of God because Exodus eleven seven says that God made a distinction between them and the Egyptians. You know, all of mankind was created and loved by God. All were a part of his eternal plan to restore and redeem his creation. But the Israelites were distinct because they were the vessel by which that redemption would come. The Passover memorial was to remind them of that, that God set them apart. And so they should be, and they should act holy. So God said, when they go into this foreign land, remain unique. Remember the Passover. Keep observing this memorial and don't allow anyone else to observe it with you unless they choose to become a native of the land and they're circumcised too. Then they're one of God's people as well. And the rest of this pre-law that God gives is set to remind them of this distinctiveness too. Exodus 13.1 says, Consecrate to me all the firstborn, whatever opens the womb among the children of Israel, both a man and beast, it is mine. You know, whereas Pharaoh and the Egyptians, they handed their firstborns over to death because of their sin and their hard hearts, the Israelites must remember to consecrate their firstborn to God. Verses 3 through 10 give another overview of the Feast of Unleavened Bread, driving the point home that no matter where the Israelites were, how far they got from Egypt, they should never forget that it was God who rescued them now. And then verses 11 through 16 specify that every firstborn not only should be ceremonially consecrated to God, but quite literally consecrated to him. All firstborn animals should be sacrificed to God and all firstborn sons would be redeemed. And the Lord says, if any of the firstborn sons have any questions about this, this is what they were to say to their sons. By strength of hand, the Lord brought us out of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. And it came to pass when Pharaoh was stubborn about letting us go, that the Lord killed all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both the firstborn of man and the firstborn of beast. Therefore, I sacrifice to the Lord all males that open the womb, but all the firstborn of my sons I redeem. It shall be as a sign in your hand and as frontlets between your eyes, for by strength of hand the Lord brought us out of Egypt. You see, all of this pre-law, the foundation of the law to come, was all about remembrance. Remember this moment before the action picks up. Soak it in. Remember what you're wearing. Remember that there is no yeast in your dough because you left so quickly. Remember the terrible death that swept over Egypt to free you. Before you go, remember all this. And of course, this little interlude in the Exodus story in the middle of the 10th plague that's not the only time God makes the people wait and pause. He's about to lead them deep into the wilderness for 40 years where they're going to have plenty of time to bake this event into their memories in the desert heat. Eventually, God would hand Moses a far broader law, a whole legal system that would govern God's people and show them the righteousness of God. It would span all sorts of topics and behaviors but this pre-law, this law that comes in the heat of the Exodus, it shows 
that God didn't give them the law of Moses and expect blind obedience, although he could have, but he instead he chose to give them a reason to obey. He gave them something to remember. And this pre-law is an indication of that, that all the law coming would be based on remembrance. When the Israelites forgot, they disobeyed. When they remembered, they drew close to God. You see it woven through the Ten Commandments. When Moses was given the, those commandments, they all pointed to remembering, remembering the character of God, remembering the promises of God, remembering the faithfulness of God too, because God knows how important remembering is. The first, second, and third commands remind us that it was Yahweh who rescued the people despite the prayers Pharaoh made to his own gods to prevent their escape. There's no God before our God, and we should remember that. The fourth command reminds us that it was not by Aaron's and Moses's or any other person's effort that freed God's people. It was God's, and so we should trust him and rest in him. Remember the Sabbath. Honor your father and mother, the fifth command. In other words, remember them. Don't forget them. You know, the moral command, not to kill, not to commit adultery, not to steal, bear false witness, covet. They remind us of the character of God. This is who God is, and we should be set apart. We should be holy. And that's not, I, that's not the only way to look at the Ten Commandments. I'm not saying that, but I think it is a useful way. Whenever we have a question about a command, uh, why God asked us to do something in a certain way, maybe we need to think about what is it supposed to remind us of? Do this because God is powerful. He's great. He's worthy of worship. Do this because he rescued you. Do this because this is who he is. And if we want to be like him and be close to him, we need to act like him also. You know, why not steal? Why not commit adultery? Why not lie? Well, Remember, you were free to do all of those things in Egypt. They promoted that kind of behavior. But remember what it led to for the Egyptians. Death. God passed you over. He set you free. Not so you could go right back to acting like the Egyptians, but so that you could be a distinct people, a free people. You know, the pre-law of the Exodus more than any specific details it gives about the Passover and how it should have been observed, it teaches us the importance of pausing the action, even when it feels like there is no time to stop. But take a moment and remember God. And that'll do it for this episode of Rooted Daily. I cannot wait to sit down and open up God's Word with you next time. Thanks for watching this episode of Rooted Daily. We're praying that you're growing with us as we study the Bible and use God's word as our only foundation. If you appreciate this content and want to make sure others see it, subscribe to the podcast on your favorite app and hit the share button. Most importantly, if you're ready to take the next step, repent, be baptized, and hand over your life to Jesus, let's talk today. Just send me a text to 317-207-2734.